space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second and contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temporal Trek Podcast. Uh, we are in Season 2, Episode 3.7, I think, of the podcast, and Season 2, Episode 9 of Picard, otherwise known as Home Alone in La Bar, France, or Home Drone uh, around the Chateau Bic- I don't know. It makes sense to me. Um, at 2 minutes and 22 seconds, we'll be coming in after the uh, little catch-up, but obviously I haven't hung up on him, and he's still with me today. Uh, the guest today is still... It's still Dan. Hey, excellent. Always love having you here. Um, episode nine. Um, yes. Yeah, running around the chateau. Uh, yes. Any thoughts on the episode? I'm not a fan of this episode, yeah. particularly. I don't think it's a bad episode necessarily, but I just have some kind of dislike of Chateau Picard. I don't yeah. know why. I've been thinking about it. I've been trying to think of why don't I like it. <laughs> But I just don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Coming back to this one, this is the only one of season two that felt genuinely like a slog hmm. to come through and watch through. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of jumping because there's lots of flashbacks so we have to cut out and all this kind of stuff, which obviously gives me more work. So, of course, I'm not going to like that. Um, but just watching the episode as is, even if I wasn't doing Temporal Trek something about it just doesn't want to pull me back in it just feels like wandering around it feels like the one and only time i've ever done a, a dungeons and dragons a dnd campaign and the characters were just wandering around the hallways and the, the dungeon basically with nothing going on like they every now and then there'll be like a little laser pointer that comes through the window yes. and then they move on they have a little bit more of a chat they move on there's a bit more of a fisticuffs fight or a laser fight or something else, and then they move on. And it it doesn't really do anything for me. I don't I don't feel any tension on anything. No. Uh, no. It it just feels almost like a wasted opportunity for me. I feel like they had a whole episode, they had 50 minutes of TV, and they didn't really do anything with it to really drive the season forward. Uh, yeah. there is there's jeopardy and there's things that have to happen so that the end of the season happens where the end episode ends up there are characters who go on a bigger journey and, and other things happen but everything getting to that point i don't know could, felt like it could have been dealt with a lot sooner you know other ways maybe less complicated ways of dealing with it um but i suppose we need an action beat i guess maybe that's what they're going for speaking of action when we jump in at two minutes 22 seconds we're on la serena and we feel like we've missed a scene we were assimilating the drones, five drones, remember, in that room. <laughs> and Rios is saying, oh, she's hacking into the system. I can't override the transporter. There's a bit in between that we didn't see where she was somehow, I don't know, assimilating more people and hacking yep. in and actually coming through. And Rios saw it on the screen. I felt like that could have been the cliffhanger for the episode. Like actually seeing they're all coming through. It's like, how many? Too many. Uh, you know, something, you know, like a big kind of dramatic ending moment. Um, but they're born they're beaming in you run 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 we need some weapons oh we can't do that there's more beaming in uh jorg beams in 
and she collects her Borg suit. She finds the Borg's queen, uh, the Borg queen's body, and morphs the suit onto her. Yes. Uh, after a little, oh, we've looked better moment. Um, and uh, yeah, the chateau, Picard and Raffi and Seven and Talon are all there. They've got beam weapons. They're ready and poised, ready to go for it. Um, Rios says we're out of time. We can't set up traps or anything like that because Seven was having some great ideas. She mm. was the Kevin McAllister this week because she wanted to set up all manner of different things. I was kind of hoping for Christmas ornaments all being laid out and you see Borg drones walking on them and like, ah, my feet, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I, that that might have been a more entertaining episode, I think, for me, had there been some weird and wacky traps uh, for all of the drones to fall into. And credits. The setup. What do you think? Well, do you know... When you say Kevin McAllister, yeah. I was thinking who? Because I've never seen Home Alone. <gasps> oh, you're missing you're missing a treat. You're missing a treat. I have to say the first one at least. Yeah, I've never seen it. Oh. Well, I don't know how, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay. For anyone who hasn't seen Home Alone, <laughs> Kevin McAllister is the little boy who gets left at home, and it's basically sore for kids uh, because he sets up traps and kills these two uh would-be burglars at least a dozen times over but for somehow they they survived the movie i don't know how um yeah but i was kind of expecting that when seven says we're going to set up traps i was going to hope for like a proper she's going to be a ranger she's going to set up this yeah. laser laser trip wire and there's going to be stuff coming up. we get a little montage sequence nope not too late they're beaming in and we get a couple of beamings about five beamings into the the vineyards i mean there's then there's another five then there's another five. Then there's another five. Then there's an- how many drones? How many people in that spearhead uh, SWAT team in the last uh, episode of last week? How many people did she con into getting uh, assimilated? It doesn't make any sense. And when, she, when they saw the first five being assimilated yes. and all that green stuff went up yeah. their face. Oh, yeah. Why didn't like the armed personnel in that room all go, well, that, no, that's a bit too weird for me. I'm, yeah. I'm out. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Um, I, I agree with you actually I, I thought that yeah how did she get that far yeah who uh, knows oh, there we go storytelling storytelling that's what it is that's it um, yeah I think it would have been a bit more of um, I don't know an interesting fight for them if it was just five drones mm. and they each had their own drone who is sort of yes. trying to track them down and stuff like that when it's too many it goes into that sort of Marvel problem, the DC superhero problem of we've got a thousand enemies and they're just yes. coming at us in waves. And I don't really care. Like mm, the, the, okay, the, yeah, the, yeah. the the odds are so insurmountable against them. It's not as interesting. They're faceless enemies. And I kind of mm. wish they'd been a bit more personalized. And uh, because even um, Seven says these aren't uh, people. These are Borg drones. Didn't we spend all of season one saying they are actually people and we should actually try and help them? very odd odd stance for her to take isn't it do you know what you're right but i think you've been doing this too long man <laughs> i need help i'm sorry you're absolutely I'm... right yeah. <laughs> it just i it's one of those things that really undermines the whole episode for me and like we, we spent a whole season talking about ex-borgs and ex-bs yeah. being people and being the victims and she said, no, don't worry. Just shoot them in the face. Just take them down. We don't care about them. Um, so, yeah, uh, we get flash grenades. That leads into a flashback at uh, nine minutes and 32 seconds. 
uh, after we come back from the uh, from the credits, of course. Uh, these are all flashbacks to young Picard. So all of those flashbacks, we're going to come to years and years. And before we do GNG, we're going to be watching all of these as well. Uh, so we won't be talking any about the the mother's suicide yeah. angle that comes into this episode. And coming back at 11 minutes, 14 seconds, strategic retreat, otherwise known as shuffling backwards, because um, <laughs> that's all they do. He gets shot in the arm, old Rios, and... Yep. Um, uh, Picard beams him back in that classic thing of, oh no, now lock him out. We don't need him back. Yeah. No, I think you need an extra pair of hands, Picard. So why are you locking him out? He's going to be your best bet. Uh, but at least it gives us some other scenes to talk about later on. And yeah, Raffi and Seven have to go for the ship, but Picard and Talion are going to stay and stand their ground. And there's a little chat with Sung and talking about the future. Mm. I heard that we're beloved across the galaxy. Yes. Uh, love and fear, they're all the same thing. Um, did any of that speech kind of make sense to you? Because to me, it just felt like he was just saying words to sound maniacal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he definitely had definitely had that maniacal um, edge to it, didn't it? Yeah, mm. he plays it well, but he does it, he does? He was just yeah. saying things to sound intimidating, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was a bit of that bit of bluff, <laughs> bit of bit of bravado. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the unknown variables, you know, the, the yes. biggest thing in an experiment is an unknown variable. Um, they uh, open fire as Picard decides we're going to go and hide and seek. And that's how they figure out the title of the episode, being hide and seek. But Picard's sort of hallucinating his past as well. So those won't be included in the flashbacks when we go and watch them before TNG uh, in the years to come, uh, because he's watching them in that moment. There are other flashbacks that happen at that time and we'll come to those another time uh, but we're not jumping out of the scene because he sees himself doing hide and seek that's not how it's going to work um raffi and seven are in the ruins of a different part of the chateau we haven't seen before and it's all very haunted house and you see laser yes. things coming yes. through the window any thoughts on this it just it, meh. hide yeah, behind a window I'm, I'm trying not to be too grumpy about this sorry i'm gonna no. bring you down because you know <laughs> It's really interesting. Uh, we 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 mention these guys quite a lot, but I was listening to um, Measure of a Fan, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, I was thinking about how different their start. In fact, I tell you what I did. I think it was Tuesday or whenever their their podcast comes out. Yeah, on my feed is their podcast and, and quite a few others, but also um, there's a rewatch that uh, TFM are doing that that Trek FM are doing. Ah, uh, yeah. Of um, Enterprise, Walk mm-hmm. 5. They're doing a rewatch. Oh, yes. And yeah. it just happened that they both reviewed um, A Night in Sick Bay. <laughs> so they both arrived at the same time. Yep. So I listened to both, and the difference is amazing. <laughs> and I, I do feel like we're quite, despite hot with enterprise particularly our sort of reservations we are still quite what's the word kind to it or or sort of you know (laughs) and that's what i'm trying to be with this episode i'm trying to be you know because i I, I love the measure of a fan because they just absolutely rip the shit and and there's something great about that it's the same with very um, good i quit star trek you know yeah it's great like that because you know it's enjoyable to but so I could quite easily go into a, a, a measure of a fan mode or I quit Star Trek mode, you know, and just rip the <laughs> out of this episode totally. <laughs> but I'm trying not to, but 
I'm really struggling because, and again, I don't really know why. I don't think it's an inherently bad episode. It's not like you know, hmm. it's not a sort of, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a bad episode. It's it's not a, the fight from, yes, from Voyager. You know, or it's True. not um, even worse. You know, what's that early, awful TNG episode with the with the sort of native African? Oh, oh yes, know, yeah. You know, is is roundy. You know, it's mm. not that. It's not yeah you know, code of not, code of honor code yeah, of honor not, yeah it's not yeah. you know it's not offensive but, that's true exactly it's not offensive and it's not just bad yeah but I just don't enjoy it I just there's no substance to it it feels like I've eaten like a wafer instead of a mm. cookie you know the cookie has some delicious like chi- you know chocolate chips and all this kind of stuff I'm still hungry from recording from our last thing from. <laughs> Talking about the cakes, um, but all I've eaten we is gotta a, get, we've got to get on this, man, because I've got some cheese yeah. and toast going. Oh no, oh god, I don't <laughs> want you to burn it. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, it just feels like I haven't really eaten a, a meal of substance. Mm. I've enjoyed it because it was a snack and it was a little treat, yeah, it's an action beat, but I don't really see anything else from it. No. Um, I think you know, it's interesting because the way we're reviewing it in a way works quite well because actually, I think it's all these flashbacks that don't work. Mm. it breaks into um, the tension yeah it, it just doesn't quite work for me mm. and but, if yeah. they've got enough time for him to flash back and he stops yeah. he do, it's not that he's flashing back and he's running at the same time mm. it, he stops has a flashback yes. and we're supposed to think that there's this Im- imminent threat behind them with the Borg mm. drones and it doesn't quite work yeah um you know, with all the problems with the flashback scenes and everything that that causes and the talk of mental health that surrounded this episode as well, when it was first coming out and lots yeah. of people really reacted negatively to that. We're not discussing that bit. However, no. the constant breaks and there will be quite a lot of time jumps and timestamps are coming up. It really throws you out of it. I really don't, mm. the, the jeopardy isn't there in this episode. No. No. Um, we get a bit of fighty, fighty knife fight uh, in the eye. <laughs> With uh, Raffi and Seven stabbing yes. some some drones because they came through the windows. That rather than just looking through the windows, they came through them. Um, uh, I guess they adapted. Um, Picard, um, there's a series of uh, resistance tunnels that he just happened to remember at the time he needed to. Rather than thinking, maybe we should have gone for the tunnels first thing. Yes. Uh, strange. Um, then we stop at 17 minutes, 39 seconds. We have a bit more flashback back at 18 minutes 46 seconds uh picard is using an old chest of drawers uh that he's got a hidden door inside he presses the button and slides it out um and uh sung is just you know yelling picard and like eh, okay you found a hidden door okay it's hidden slidey slidey doors i don't know um and then at 19 minutes 15 seconds we get another flashback to young picard and it really is taking its time it just doesn't seem to flow in a way that I thought an action scene should flow um, back at 19 minutes 43 seconds Talon is recognising the tunnels from the flashbacks again we haven't dealt with those because these are flashbacks and there's memories um, uh, Picard tries to talk about the French resistance but she says no that's not what I'm talking about this isn't a history lesson I saw this in your memories uh, there's a thousand ways to die down here yeah. and, and he lost his mother here Um any thoughts on that sentence? Because we will find out there are quite a way, few ways to die in here as well. Well, yeah, but it seems a very dangerous set of tunnels to me. A thousand ways to die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. 
<laughs> he's about it's to find a, a box with a loaded gun in it in a moment. Oh, like, is he? I don't yeah. remember that bit. Remember when he finds the old French pistol, the French resistance pistol, and no, he shoots the drone? No? no? I completely missed that bit. That means that somebody left it completely unattended for hundreds of years, and it's just been left down in those tunnels. That gun, well, what, 80 years uh, since World War Two, that French resistance gun has been loaded, still works again, and he's just using it to shoot the Borg drones. And so that wow. means as a child, he must have been down there. Maybe that yeah. gun's still there somewhere. And he was just left around with guns laying around. <laughs> it's very, very disastrously yes. wrong. Uh, that finishes at 20 minutes, 49 seconds flashback. And then 21 minutes, dead on 21 minutes. We come back, Raffi and Seven, still uh, shooty shooty knife fights. They've got a knife, a corkscrew and an ice pick. Um, yes. This is where we get at least a little bit of substance where we talk about what happened to Seven after Voyager got back. And she was denied entry to Starfleet because of her ex-Borg status, which we were dealing with in season one. Remember when we find out that ex-Borgs are humans and that we're supposed to respect them and not shoot them in the face? Yeah. Um, any thoughts just on, on what happened to Seven? Sort of the tragic story that happened with her. Um, I, just, I really like this bit because, I, you know, I, as I say, you know, I've said many, many times, my fan service love is is low. <laughs> but I liked the mention of Janeway. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Yeah. And that's it for me, really. You know, yeah, it's cool, but it's very passing. Um, so, yeah. But I like that, you know, Janeway gets a little nod. Yeah. <laughs> she gets some recognition. Exactly. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's a missing part of the story. You know, mm. we spent seven years watching the ship getting home. Yeah. It'd be nice to know what exactly happened, you know, in the months preceding that or. or proceeding that um they make a run for it with their knife their corkscrew and their ice pick and they say they're not going to make it yep they're not going to make it they're going to be shot down by the millions of drones that are sitting around in the in the vineyard they're not going to make it to la, la serena whatsoever until they do um and then la serena we find out there's uh not elnor but hollow nor uh, we get uh jorg or gerati inside the borg's queen's um new body uh she set up a key an encryption key inside Elnor, so they're going to play keep away and he's going to kill people and he's going to take out the drones. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, now we get fighty fighty sword stabby. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on Elnor coming back? Well, um, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Cory. Anyway, and I'm not a fan. I just, I just wish they'd use different characters. I mean, it feels to me, what it feels to me like is that they signed these guys up for two seasons. And then when they come to write the second season, they suddenly realise they didn't have anything to do. And like, oh, shit, what are we going to do with these actors? We've got to pay them. So they sort of just, you know, yeah. yeah. It could have been anyone. It could have been anything. It doesn't matter. You know. Or just not kill Elnor off and make it believable well, that he comes back and has a fight yeah. he is a swordsman yeah. he could have yeah. well sort of taken care of himself so yeah. it, what was the point in killing him off just to not yeah, have exactly. him there for six episodes it doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. No. um back at talon's office rios is trying to hack the system so he can get back to them there's a little bit of a talk about how tricorders are a miracle 
you know, yes. I've been seeing miracles wrapped up in miracles and now I have to let it go and talking about you don't want to leave me. It's all right. He won't love. It's fine. He fell in yeah. love with you last yeah. week. He's not leaving you. Trust me. We've seen this character and what he does before. We know he's going to stay with you. Yeah. Um, but she is laying it on thick. You know, you know I don't want to give you up. Uh, but he has to because he's duty bound back at the chateau Sung does his best sort of belloc from indiana jones and he figures out that oh there's a secret door here it is <laughs> there you go dr jones um and now we've got all the time jokes we've got 25 minutes 28 seconds more flashbacks back at 26 minutes 46 seconds Picard is walking around then we stop again at 26 minutes 58 seconds more flashbacks up to 27 minutes 18 seconds and Picard is walking around and then we stop for more flashbacks 27 minutes and 21 seconds and then we come back at 27 minutes and 28 seconds and Picard is still looking around and at 27 minutes and 49 seconds we come back and Sung and the drones are sort of not really playing hide and seek they're just following him through the tunnels they're not playing hide and seek at all there's, there's no hiding they're not behind a crate there's nothing they're just standing there and this is where he finds the 80 year old gun that still miraculously works and sh- he has got better aim than a drone yes. who is a SWAT person who is trained on every kind of weapon I'm sure um, and he managed to shoot his laser gun out of his hand with an old 80 year old French <laughs> resistance pistol yeah. um, that's it that's, that's all that happens there's really nothing else all that chop and change all of that emotional turmoil and dealing with trauma nothing he's just walking through a tunnel um any thoughts <laughs> i think he walks very well he does walk very well he's got a very good gait that's very true other than that no not really i, I just how i completely missed the 80 year old um, gun thing i don't know what happened there i must have blanked out <laughs> Well, we'd already had the shotgun like uh, episodes ago that was used to kill the Borg Queen first off. You know, how long had that been slaying around? This is another one. So you may, yeah, it just all kind of squashes together in all the leftover guns in Chateau Picard. Um, uh, back on La Serena, uh, Hollow Noor is kicking ass still. He's flipping, he's moving around, he grabs his gun, he grabs his sword, he's done. Uh, yeah. Raffi and Seven turn up a little bit bruised, but they completely survived. Mm. They said they yes. weren't going to make it. Yeah. Did they do that with a corkscrew and you know a little knife and an ice pick? Ooh, crazy. Um, Raffi and Eleanor do get a little moment, and Raffi mm-hmm. kind of gets to work through her her guilt, I guess, of bringing him into this and getting him killed. Yeah. Um, but Seven needs the systems back, and Eleanor gives her the key, the encryption key. But doesn't that give the Ball Queen exactly what she wants? Any thoughts? I think it probably does. Yeah. Is yeah. it a good? Is it a good gambit to to? I know they want the transporters, and I know that they want all of the technology back in their control. But now the Ball Queen can hack it. it it's seems, risky, isn't it? Yeah, it's very risky strategy. Yeah. Um, back in the chateau, Picard is hallucinating again, and he's he remembers that the drone, the tunnels go one way. But oh no, don't worry, the drones are coming because we can see their laser pointers, so they keep on walking. And back on La Serena. <laughs> That's all that happened in that scene. They just walked in a different direction. Um, back on La Serena and Seven uses the transporter to beam the drones on the ship into the walls. Now, yes. does that mean when young Picard is walking around in those tunnels where there's a thousand ways to die, there are skeletons dressed in SWAT team gear with, I don't know, metal over their, their, their skeletons, I guess, 
no wonder he had a freak out and yeah. completely lost his mind as a child with all the nightmares and stuff he was having down in those tunnels because there's actual dead bodies in the wall. Yes, you're right. <laughs> um, and how did Seven know that where she was beating them to was a wall? Because <laughs> you have to, you know, the coordinates and stuff, don't you? And, and you need to know. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. And, and Picard didn't tell her that the tunnels were there. So no. she was she beaming them just below the floor and into maybe. the rock, maybe? Yeah, just lucky, yeah. I don't know. Just makes no sense. Um once she uses the um transporter, but uh Jorg gets the upper hand. We've got you dead to rights, Raffi says. No, you don't, because she's got tentacles. Remember those tentacles yes. that she used back in episode three? She takes out the hollow projector, she taps the button and switches it off uh why none of the drones thought to do that i don't know um but uh then she takes out seven by sort of gutting her and, and impaling her stomach and the borg looks like she's about to win the borg queen yes. is going to win um and i'm going to take over and we're going to set a course to the delta quadrant why just yep. assimilate the planet lick some more batteries get all the metals you need you're done um yeah, why go back to the Delta Quadrant when you know you could just take over now, just like you tried to do in First Contact, or will try yes. to do in First Contact in 40 years' time? Oh, never mind. Um, but then we get the big talk, the futility of resistance. Well, you know, you've been longing for connection. You uh, keep losing in every timeline, and we've seen that happen. Um, maybe it's time for the Borg to adapt and try a different strategy. Any thoughts on this the, the change around so this is really the meat of the episode we've had yeah. all this action for a good half an hour which hasn't really yeah. gone anywhere but now we get the borg change their mind yeah i like this but i find it slightly unconvincing i'm not i don't know what i'm I, i'll probably think of what i mean as i go through it's really interesting you know what an interesting way to think about the Borg mm. you know Girati, what Girati does there is she really pincers the, the problem with the Borg mm. you know and she says you know yes they, they assimilate and they take over but eventually someone stands up and, and defeats them because what they're doing is inherently wrong mm. you know but, and then she sort of also understands the Borg Queen as an individual, an individual who needs connection. It's almost like a dysfunctional person, isn't it? She's dysfunctional. Yeah. She wants connection, but she can't make connection without without control. Mm. And and she sort of and Girati really pinches the, the 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 dysfunction in in the Borg Queen. Yeah. which leads to the dysfunction in the way the Borg operate. Yeah. And so I like that a lot. I guess how the question is, how does how does the Borg Queen change her mind so quickly? You know, and again, you know, I can live with that, but you know, it's it's quite a, a leap of of sort of imagination to go from a, a business model of, you know, taking over their rivals and, and, you know, control, you know, to sort of working with their <laughs> rivals. Um, you know, mm -hmm. 
it's a so it's it's a really interesting way to think about the Borg, I think. And I think it's I think the writers have, have done a really great job there in that they've mm. really broken down the Borg. You know, what are the Borg? What is the Borg about? Yeah. And they've really hit the nail on the head there. So I really like it. I, I just the, the the speed of acceptance is what's interesting. Although maybe what we're seeing is with I think she says at some point is it in this one where she says about you know not only is the are the endorphins good for yes. you they're they're good for me as well. Yeah. It's a two so what street. we're seeing is that Girati is exerting more influence, and so her mindset is almost being overlaid on the, the Borg Queen and, and sort of that that makes sense if that's the way Girati sees the world mm. then the Borg Queen would begin to see the world in that way as well that's true so I think it I think it works really well actually I like it a lot mm. yeah I, li- I like the shorthand of, of her showing the destruction of all the Borg cubes because it, it's almost as though she's forcing the Borg Queen to compute all yeah. the different variations all the variables and yeah. it always ends up with the same thing yeah. um you know it maybe had like a little bit of cgi on her eyes to make it look like she's processing data so mm. she you know she's taken a thousand years of decision making and squashed it into two seconds then we could believe that it's happened so quickly um and maybe have a line to say that from from Girati's yeah. like you know, i've just processed all of this this is you know ha- hundreds of years of history you know what's going to happen um but yeah, it, it, it's a very quick thing, and you wonder why the Borg didn't think of it first. <laughs> you know, why did the Queen not get there? So yeah, so it looks like uh, Gerati has uh, kind of convinced the Borg Queen, and as she's bleeding out, they turn to Seven and they look at Seven, and I think Gerati adds like a little bit more weight to her argument in that points to Seven and the way she came back from her Borgification in Voyager. You know that she she was she got to blend her individuality and her Borg side, mm. uh, and she's the best yeah. of us. You know she she's trying to point to to seven, and it kind of again infuriates me that we didn't get more of this building up throughout the season. We had a handful of scenes where seven felt a little bit different because she didn't have her implants and she was embracing the humanity aspect of her personality. Um, I kind of felt like we needed more so that when it is the selling point. Seven could turn around and say, you know, or even if she's bleeding out, she kind of goes, you know, I've got to embrace humanity and it's, it's a, there's a better way. You felt that, that that was a convincing additional argument. Yes, I sort of do. And again, I don't, I don't feel the need for more of it. I feel like it's okay, you know. I, I guess this is, again, we said this before, but this is one of the problems. <clears throat> or, or potential limitations with the shorter seasons. Um, you know, another couple of episodes, another two or three episodes, and you could have like some kind of episode where mm-hmm. where Seven really uses her new yeah. found humanity in some way. But they, they've sprinkled it through. Mm. I mean, obviously the Borg Queen isn't aware of that because he wasn't present during that, but. I don't know. I, I just feel like not everything has to be explained, and mm. it can be left, and it can be open for you to to think about that. You know, for you to make your own conclusion. It's a bit like it's a bit like art. 
you know, one of the things mm. I remember learning or, or certainly when I was doing my, my BA, a guy that had finished a year or two before me come back. I can't remember why. For some reason, he was back for a bit. And he um, he said, oh, he was doing an MA at the time. And he said, you know, one of the things I've learned is that you can't control what people think about your work. All you can do is mm. you can make your work honestly and to the best of your ability. Mm. You can obviously have, if you're going to show it, you can have yeah. a description and stuff like that. But you can't force people down a road. Everyone brings their own preconceptions, their own their own knowledge, their own experiences to a piece of art or any piece of media mm. or any piece of whatever you want to call it, you know, sort of stuff. <laughs> so sometimes it's better, I think, to to leave leave space for people mm. to make their own conclusions rather than try to force a, a narrative onto people all the time. And I think that's what they did here. They, you know, as you say, you know, through the series, there's been moments where Seven has sort mm. of mm. behaved differently than she would have done when she was Borg or ex-Borg. Um, and she mm. still is ex-Borg, you know, but she's just different now. She's not mm. marked out as ex-Borg. You know, she can blend. Um, but do you need to tell that story intensely? Do you need to give hand everybody the information or do you allow that to be something that, that is open to interpretation? My argument for the other side would be that we've been given all the other characters and, you know, Rios choosing to stay behind in the past has been given quite a lot of fleshing out. There's been a lot of scenes between him and Teresa where they've been flirting and it establishes why he's got a reason to stay. You've then got Picard working through his trauma and that has been a heavy part of, obviously it's called Picard, so of course he's going to get the, the most focus. Even Talon has been given a reasonable amount of backstory to tell us why she didn't get more involved with Renee's backstory and things like that. Um, Raffi and Seven, I don't know, just through the season have felt sidelined and I felt like they, they were done a disservice. Like they had enough of an interesting story, um, but they just needed, I don't know, a few more scenes, a few more moments just to really hammer home yeah. how different Annika is to Seven and to really show that she was able to embrace it. You know, she she convinced that one guy to tell them that Gerati left with the guy from the bar. She managed to convince that one guy, the security guard, to let them take a photo at the top of the tower. And that was it. Like she didn't have a bigger moment to shine as a character. I, I felt like she was being pushed back. As the same way we see with um, uh, with Travis in Enterprise, he's not given enough to really push him through. The way, it, it, Again, it's another sideline character when I felt like there could have been, if not a whole episode, just a few more scenes, just to really hammer home this point. When she is part of Gerati's argument, that that's a feasible way that the Borg Queen should go to make a universe of sevens, as Girati says. Um, you know, why is seven important? I felt like. But then, don't we? Don't we? In a way, we've actually got four seasons of a Voyager. That does that very true? Yeah, I suppose. But then, are we then too reliant on those four seasons of? You know, when we come to recommendations, is it a Star Trek fan could only appreciate this line, but Star Trek <laughs> newcomers 
won't get why she's important. You know, she's only yes. had three seasons or three scenes in one season. Um, I just wondered whether they should have given her a little bit more due and cut a few other things out. Should we have had less running around in tunnels in the shadow? Maybe. Um, as we go through uh, the chateau, the drones are taking aim. They've just caught up with Picard. It's now daybreak. They are now in that little glass house sort of conservatory area. Uh, Rios has now hacked the system, so he's just about to jump in, but Dr. Teresa gives him a final kiss before he disappears. Back on... He's really going for it. You okay? He is. You okay? Good. Yeah, I got a thumbs up. That's right. Uh, um, Chateau. Uh, back in the Chateau, Rios then materialises because he's hacked the system and he materialises in front of the drones. So yes. uh, lucky he didn't get hit. Um, yes. But he obviously is ready. He's already got that charged phaser thing that Talon was using a couple of episodes ago. Knocks a key out. And whilst he's taking out the drones, Picard is very focused on this key that just fell on the floor yes. rather than the action scene that's going on around him. Um, just any thoughts on the staging of that? Did it make sense? Like, would he have just wanted to help Rios a little bit? I know he's not, you know, he's not a sprightly chicken. He's not the fastest. He's not going to be good in a hand-to-hand fight. But he seems so focused on that key whilst his, one of his best mates is getting in a, you know, life-or-death struggle mm. fist fight with two drones. Um just it was did it make sense that sort of staging the way the acts were placed and it was filmed yeah i know what you mean that whole key thing was very odd i mean i don't really know where that come from mm. you know where did that appear from I, it was almost like it dropped out of the borg when he got shot <laughs> it's very odd um yeah you're right i mean would he really i suppose he would i mean if it it's the key to his the room where his mum died isn't it I think. yeah or at least the room where he let her out of his of a room. So I don't know. I mean, again, you know, there's lots of problems with this episode, and this is another one for me. Really, it's just not the whole appearance of the key is very odd. I don't quite know what happened with that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it was another case of there were more scenes, but they got cut for time, mm, maybe. and that yeah, the maybe. key had played a little bit more significance. I mean, I know we saw it in the flashbacks, but yeah, it hasn't played any significance. If you're again, if you're watching it in a temporal trek way, yeah. at that time when they are in the chateau, the key wasn't part of the running around aspect. You know, no. they weren't trying to find the key. They weren't the key, the key wasn't important. It wasn't a way out. Um, it, the just the staging of it, the blocking of it. No, I agree with you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, back to La Serena, and it cuts now. Clearly, Girati has won the argument because uh, Jorg is now healing Seven with her sort of tentacle uh, drone thing going on. Um, and now Seven has her implants back. Um, in the chateau, uh, you've got um, Sung picks up the, the supervisor gun. He's about to use it, and then it's doing that kind of charging up. So something's going to explode at some point. And uh, Rios says, you know, it's not key to your DNA. It's going to blow up. Um, it's not his phaser. How does he know that does it? But who knows? Yep. Um, <laughs> but then uh, it goes back to the Serena and Seven gets up and she's now Seven again. She has the implants in exactly the same way as they were last time. I'm not totally sure how that works because she's been reassimilated exactly the same way. I don't know. Back in the Chateau, Picard uh, picks up that key, 
and now we know that it is significant <laughs> to his internal uh, journey. Um, and we finish at 41 minutes and 18 seconds uh, for another flashback as well. But any more on the kind of the two action scenes? You've got him picking up the phaser and exploding, and he sort of throws it in the air. And then we've got um, what's happening with Seven with being reborgified. Yeah, um, the whole phaser thing, I quite like that. That was just a callback to somewhere in TNG, is it, where that, that happens? I think so, yeah. I think there is something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, so that was okay. I mean, the, the question is, why was it keyed for um, Rios' DNA if it was Tannin's gun? But we're, 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 we're you know, <laughs> we let that one go. Um, um, and the, the whole sort of borg, borgification, um, I hadn't really thought about that, that she returns to exactly how she was before. Um, but you're right. You know, why wouldn't she full on borg or at least different borg? Again, I mean, this is, I suppose the problem is that we're, we're picking holes. You know, we're literally looking at this scene by scene, mm -hmm. analyzing each scene. You know, so you're going to find a lot of, you know, what's the word, plot holes. You know, that's the nature of it. You know, and when you've got an episode you don't particularly enjoy, I think you tend to notice that even more. You know, just another way to criticise the episode, really. So maybe, you know, maybe we should let that go as well and just go, well, you know what? That's what Seven looks like, isn't it? True. Maybe there's something about her DNA makeup that means that yeah. those implants have to be there at that certain time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And for her yeah. to be seven but not a Borg drone, that's what needs to remain, I guess. Um, yeah. Everyone, you know, there's, there's, uh, by person, every Borg implant is completely different, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, the flashback ends at 41 minutes, 28 seconds. We come back and now it gets really annoying <laughs> we're at the chateau picard is holding the key he now has a hallucination of his mother in real time whilst he's standing there so again we haven't come out but at 41 minutes and 31 33 seconds another flashback has started oh god here we go right starting at 43 minutes and 50 seconds picard is then holding the key and still standing there and he's kind of smiling to himself we come out at 44 minutes and 15 seconds more flashback then we got 44 minutes and 32 seconds talon stands there comforting picard rubbing him on the back and then we stop at 44 minutes and 39 seconds there's more flashbacks then we get 44 minutes and 33 seconds she's comforting him some more and they're sort of having a little discussion about the future then 44 minutes and 49 seconds then we come out at 44 minutes and 50 seconds and come back in at 44 minutes and 50 seconds literally a second of more flashback back and then we get 44 minutes and 54 seconds as they're comforting and 44 minutes and 59 seconds of flying of a little brick flying through the scare because it's more of the flashbacks that we'll oh, talk yes. about another time then 44 minutes and 59 seconds Picard <laughs> smiles again what an edit like just constantly have to go they they purely did that to p I think I know for a fact now that the people who made Picard season two listened to the Temple Trek podcast and thought we're gonna f him up <laughs> and uh constantly cut between because now i'm gonna have to go back and do those scenes again when we come to the 24th century and, and oh it's just gonna be annoying it's gonna be so annoying um but uh we come back at 44 minutes 59 seconds and we've got la serena um rafi says you don't do ordinary you need to embrace both sides of your personality 
And George says it's time to pay up a debt, but I will leave you with a piece of information. To succeed, there needs to be two Renes, one who lives and one who dies. Um, and she takes off and she leaves with the ship. Any thoughts? <laughs> um, I'm a bit confused by this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think um, I think the thing about Seven embracing both sides is interesting because I think, you know, again, if we go back to Voyager, her journey is so interesting. You know, she goes from being incredibly frustrated by being disconnected from the collective to being coming more and more human and more and more sort of, I don't know if distant from the collective is the right word exactly, but she she comes to really love her independence, her uniqueness. And in some ways, maybe she does. Maybe she sort of turns away from her, her Borg part of her life as, as it gets further through the series. And maybe actually her strength is both of those things. You know, she did enjoy being Annika. And I can understand that, absolutely. You know, being different is very difficult in life, generally, you know. So, so, but, you know, she is ex-Borg, she is Seven. She isn't Annika anymore, really. She is Seven, you know, she is that person. Again, I, I quite liked it because it, it's again a, it's a little thing. It doesn't need to be anything much. It's a little speech. It's a little sort of thing, but I think it sums her up nicely. Yes, she she at least recognizes there is that duality, and I I yeah. guess you know there was the novelty of being Annika for a short time that maybe she now appreciates her drone side a little bit more, and she she can kind of see the value in being a little bit of both worlds. Um, but yeah, and of course, we now get a kind of solution, perhaps a, um, a, a very cryptic and unnecessarily cryptic. Could have just said, remember Talon, she's got uh, some holographics. Maybe that could help you. Just something a little bit more concrete. I don't know. Um, Seven and Rafi uh, watch her leave. And then um, Picard uh, sort of turns up and they all act like they've succeeded. Like, mm. like Rios, Picard and Talon meet them in the vineyard as they're watching the ship take off. And they're all very proud of themselves and, and smiling, but there's been no conversation to say, I mean, we've made a, a deal with Jorg and she's going to take the ship, but she's absolutely cool now. It's actually going to be a, yeah, yeah. a board co cooperative. There's been no mention of that. Like they haven't run over and said, oh my God, she's stolen the ship. We've lost. Like they know they've won. I don't know how they did that. They they gained Archer's superpower from Enterprise of <laughs> of a completely complicated thing happening and no one, uh, everybody knows how it worked. You're right. Also, I noticed that the French um, flight, what was it, what was, what was I trying to say? Um, air traffic control were off, off again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a very fast ship. It is leaving the airspace. Uh, fine. It's okay. Hey Jean-Michel, you you want to go go on this? Nah, nah, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. We'll let it, we'll let it go. It's moving very fast. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it's very bad French accent. I'm sorry. Um, then uh, yeah. So um, Sung is not going to stop until he takes out the Europa mission. So they realise 
that's bit that bit bit's done we've had our little moment of dnd in the chateau picard we now have to get back to the main mission of renee and saving the future and the ship again warps off so she took off and flew and then she finally yes. warped off just enough time for maybe some french aircraft to maybe intercept it but no no it's fine it's okay um so now we know that we've got to save the future with renee that's pretty much it that's the episode yep. uh picard doesn't uh want to surrender the future just yet but they know that they need to save the world from two renees so anything else to say on the episode no not really i'm gonna no <laughs> no I'm, I'm, i think we've said enough consequences i'm guessing continuity wise there are now two borg collectives out in the world there's there are. the borg cooperative and the borg uh collective so what's gonna happen there yeah yeah um um uh, alterations expansions again we've said it's very hard to do in this kind of thing so we're going to move on from there and then recommendations to star trek fans does it make sense well it does make sense but i don't think it's a particularly good episode you've got to watch it yeah to fit you know but i wouldn't sit this is one i wouldn't sit down yeah and watch if i was just sort of you know passing by otherwise next week gerati just disappeared we don't know where she went exactly yeah yeah, um, and to non-Star Trek fans, does it, it does it give you anything that makes sense without watching more? No, no, no. It's so hard to do. In fact, you. In fact, we need Voyager now as well. Yeah. <laughs> We've been saying we need TNG, but we we need Voyager as well. So it's becoming you know it's, it's like a two-year commitment. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, who would want to watch all of that out of sequence? Ugh. Yeah, that'd be mad. Ugh, strange. Um, so yeah, that's it. We are all done. Um, S is for yeah. setup, but also selling podcasts. Where can people find you, Dan? They can find me. Unsurprisingly, this may come as a surprise to, to no, nobody. Uh, Academic Trek Forty Seven on Twitter and the podcast where you find your podcasts. So if you're a new Star Trek fan or a new Temple Trek fan, obviously you've not listened to any of other episodes, at least they'll know it by this episode. That that's where they find you. Uh, and obviously we've always got our sister show, Nexus Nights. So uh, all that remains is for me to set up the next week's episode. And that is uh, season two, episode 3.8. I think that's true uh, of the podcast. And then season two, episode 10, the final episode of Picard. Yes. We're coming at two minutes, 19 seconds. It's a bit heisty. Oh no, not that again. Um, but uh, but we will be coming at two minutes nineteen seconds. So as always, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. We certainly will, and I'm off to have some cheese on toast. Nice, oh, mm. salivating. <laughs> if you'd like to contact the show, there's now a Twitter account. Search Temporal Trek Podcast at Rider underscore Coattail, or contact me directly at Hitch underscore daniel i'm also on instagram daniel underscore hitch underscore writer there's also a website with all of the timestamps you need to follow along go to ridingcoattails.simplesite.com and click the temporal trek page link the show is always going to be free there's no patreon at all but if you wish to financially contribute to the show feel free to find my books by searching me Daniel Hitch on Amazon and we'll catch you in the next time stream.